Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum, Risk Nation. My name is Ahmed Manowar. Welcome back to the show. I've got with me Defender of Common Sense, Hands in the Air. Yes. How do you know? I just know. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, everyone. This is Saeed. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us once again. I'd expect nothing less of you than to have your hands in the air before we yeah, start. Man. Absolutely. Got to get pumped. How are you doing, Saeed? Good, man. Good. Uh, I'm kind of liking the feedback that we're getting from this uh, debt series. Seems to be resonating with a lot of people. Yeah, alhamdulillah. The questions that we're getting are excellent. The the comments we're getting are excellent. Um, I think we were right in that this is a really, really big issue that people are <laughs> facing. And mm. um, I'm glad that we're taking the time to tackle it because I think people are really, really starting to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And sure. we've got a long list of questions that we're going to be tackling in yeah. the upcoming is- uh episodes of Ask Riskwise, so certainly mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. But today, we're going to dive into the more practical side of how to pay down debt. Mm-hmm. If you've been with us so far in this series, we've talked about the importance of going all in on debt and why mm-hmm. you need to really make a firm resolve, a firm commitment to get rid of debt, and then go all in and do whatever it takes to remove that debt as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And then we also talked about I forget. What was the second part? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The second part was what are the sacrifices that you're willing to make in order to make that debt go away? And we talked about the story of the one guy in Toronto who uh, paid off his debt in three years and is now mortgage free in a four hundred plus thousand dollar house at 30 years old because he decided to live so frugally. You know, it comes starts at the intention, the understanding that we do not want to be in debt. You have to internalize that emotion and that that desire. And then you've got to commit to making the spending changes, the income generating changes that are going to be required in order to make it happen. And that, that uh, example that we gave last week, um, you know, the that gentleman, he gave uh, his best shot on both sides. I mean, he had three jobs. And he was living in the basement of the house, renting the top floor, ate uh, everything, uh, all of his food he prepared, never went out to, to dinner, restaurant, traveled, anything significant. Um, and he even said that craft dinner was his uh, favorite meal uh, during that three-year period, which that part I probably wouldn't recommend. But um, yeah, I mean, going all in on your mentality that this is what it's going to take to get out of debt. Now let's figure out how to create a, uh, a debt, uh, a reduction plan, inventory of your debt how you know we're going to figure out what your debt-free date will be and that's what we ended the episode with yeah so that was the last the last kind of action item that if you're if you're following along you should be here right now you should be at a point where you've got a list of all of your debts and it was a really simple exercise but unfortunately it's an exercise that most people despite the fact that they want to get out of debt and they are committed they fail to take the very simple step of writing down their debts mm-hmm. you know here's the debt here's the bank here's the the debtor Uh, here's the amount, the principal outstanding, here is the interest rate. Just write those things down. And we went through a very simple exercise based on that, on how you can actually calculate your debt-free date, Mm -hmm. the date by which you will be debt-free. And Mm -hmm. being able to nail down that date, I think, is very powerful for people. Absolutely. So that way we know we have a target in our calendar that by this date, inshallah, we should be out of debt. So uh, once we've kind of done some quick math, and how quickly the debt should be done. Now comes the action. 
um, you know, the the mini celebration of knowing when your debt-free date is going to be, inshallah, that's done, that's with, we have that. Now we got to do it. Now we got to work the plan. So today, Ahmed, I thought that it would be good for us to go out uh, into the world and figure out and read about what are the debt reduction strategies that exist that people have been talking about and just let, let everybody know that there's really, when you boil it down, two ways. Two ways I, to pay off your debt. And I'm going to ask you, why do they both have to do with snow? I don't know. I, I think I think the snowball came first and then, you know, when somebody came up with the avalanche, they were like, well, I got to come up with something else. It's not like a Canadian thing, is it? No, I don't think. No, no, no. I can just ran. hear people, oh, Canadians. <laughs> they're probably... <laughs> they're probably... You you got an igloo budget too? What, what, well, they're you know. probably sitting there recording in their igloos by the fire, <laughs> talking about avalanches and snowballs. <laughs> Can't they come up with any other, you know, kind of yeah. American or British or European references? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no, this is not us. Uh, the snowball, I think, was invented first as a term uh, by Dave Ramsey, who's in the States. So it's well, not he's, a, it's he's not. as American as the next guy. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, not a Canadian thing. And I think the, the, the debt avalanche... Um, verb or, or sorry uh the the dis- description the term came afterwards and they just had to come up with something that was snow related but uh, you know sounded nicer but so let's well, go, let's get to it. it it makes sense so let's why don't you walk us through the first strategy is the debt avalanche what does that yeah. mean so the debt avalanche is that it's actually kind of makes sense mathematically if you're if you're a math brain out there this is the one that's going to make sense to you the debt avalanche is simply when you have all these debts written down, you know, we got to order them in some kind of priority and which ones we're going to pay off first because that's what we said last time. Um, you know, you should make minimum payments on all of your debt and then take whatever you have, your your cash flow surplus, you know, the money that you have above your expenses, and that should be going towards one debt at a time. So which debt should it go towards? The debt avalanche says simply, the most, the highest priority debt for you to pay down should be the one with the highest interest. And that kind of makes sense. You know, if you have like a line of credit or credit card, for example, and that's the debt that you're dealing with, the more you tack away on principal, the smaller your minimum payment goes next month. And, you know, the things that have the highest interest, let's say you delayed paying off the high interest stuff first. Well, that means you're going to pay more interest overall. So that's one of the, the one of the two very popular ways of doing it. So it's mathematically correct, um, and anything that you pay above the interest, above the minimum payment, and definitely above the interest cost on a line of credit or credit card, any dollar that you put into that debt above the interest reduces the principal, and then next month reduces the amount of interest on that debt by hopefully, inshallah, a large quantity. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth reminding people about the concept of compound interest, mm-hmm. where literally you're being charged interest. In this case, you'll be charged interest on the interest. Yeah, if you don't pay the, at least the interest every month on revolve. I mean, I'm talking about revolving credit, credit that, that that interest is calculated every month. If you're not paying at least the interest every month, the interest payment per month, then yeah, you're going to get compounded into oblivion, and your debt's going to constantly get bigger. Minimum payments mostly are uh, on credit cards and line of credits. I've always seen them. A minimum payment should at least cover the interest. If you have some kind of arrangement where you're not paying the interest every month, I mean, your debt's getting exponentially bigger every time, every month. So at minimum, all of your debts, we need to be paying the interest cost and the minimum payments. And the minimum payments should be the interest cost. Make sure if you want to double check your calculations and make sure that it does. 
because Ahmed's right. If you're not at least paying off the interest every month, then that interest gets compounded into the debt. And then next month you have an even bigger debt and therefore even bigger interest. Well, and, and that's how consumer debt spirals out of control. That's precisely what happens, right? Is it people, no one ever starts off with $10,000 in debt, right? Or $20,000 in debt. They start off with a thousand. Oh, they start off with a couple hundred, like one book they bought that was too much. And now they've revolved, you know, $25 on their credit card that they couldn't pay off this month. That's where it's, I think that's where I've seen it start, you know, small, small little things or a car repair. And it's like 600 bucks they had to put on their credit card. They didn't have the cash for, and that's just been sitting on their credit card for a few months. And then you're right. Another thing gets added, another thing gets added, and then interest on top of that. Interest accrues, yeah. And the 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 logic here, the mathematical logic of paying off the debt with the highest interest rate, I, I would not underestimate the impact that that can have. Even if the interest rate difference between two different debts is seemingly small, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's a matter of like, you know, um, seven percent versus nine percent on a line of credit for example mm-hmm. um, depending on the principal balance that two percent although it seems insignificant that can add up to be quite a big difference and really I, I, you know we talked about this last time but if you didn't do it if you didn't create a debt inventory that that you know where all your debts are I really encourage you to do so because nobody in my experience actually remembers what the interest rate on their debt is I've been doing this for years and I've been taking inventories of people's debt and assets for year, every meeting that I do this. And nobody has it right. Nobody remembers. Is it three? Is it four? Is it eight? Like, no, but, you know, you might think you know, but you don't know until you look, go look it up. So make sure you look it up. Which is crazy because if you look at credit cards, I think the, the margin is a little bit less for lines of credit and things like that. But on credit cards, the interest rate can vary quite a bit. I mean, you're oh. looking at like 15% to upwards of 30%, 30. I've seen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and how many people actually look at that when they sign up for a credit card? Most people probably don't because when they sign up for a credit card, they're not doing so with the intention of going into debt and paying interest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? It's just something that unfortunately happens. And then if you're stuck with one of these cards that has a 30% rate, oh, yeah. Holy smokes, that's a lot of interest. And, and most of those cards are the travel cards that have, or not just travel cards, but rewards cards that have great benefits that attract you into the card. I mean, think about it. And we talked about this before. If credit cards didn't have all of these extra perks and points and all that kind of stuff, then you would go for the credit card that had no annual fee and the lowest interest possible. So then it's just a race to the bottom. Whatever bank can charge the least interest, the least fees, then that's the credit card. That's the credit card that's going to get all the customers. But that's not a way to make money. So what they do is they throw in some points and then they crank up the interest rate because they get you in on the points, but they make money on the interest. Yeah, they got me on the points. Yeah, they get everybody on the points. I uh, we talked about that before. So, um, all right. So that's avalanche. Highest so, so that, just, just to recap, debt avalanche is the mathematician's approach. You pay down yes. the highest interest-bearing debt first, and the reason you do that is because by paying down the debts with the higher interest rates, you're reducing the amount of money uh, that you're accruing in debt, and therefore paying less overall. Right. Exactly. And we have the snowball. The snowball. The debt snowball, popularized by Dave Ramsey, a great personal finance journalist, I guess you could call him. He has a, a podcast and a blog and all that kind of stuff, books too. Uh, very, very good, good read. And I know a lot of people who benefited from his stuff really like the guy. His debt snowball is actually not the most mathematically sound. His debt snowball is prioritize the smallest debts first. 
So the debts that have the smallest principal balance outstanding first. And the re- and regardless of interest rate. Mm-hmm. The reason he says that is because if you prioritize the smaller debts first and you go in order of, you know, smaller, smallest principal to largest principal, then you're going to get a lot more wins. You pay off a little debt. It's off your list. Let's say you had seven debts. Now you have six. That's going to feel good. So this it's is gonna, like the behavioral approach to, to paying off debt. Yeah, not the mathematical approach. This is the behavioral approach because let's be let's face it. If you've done the debt inventory, if you've got your debt-free date, it may be many months from now, could be years from now, mm-hmm. between now and when you're actually debt-free. In the best case scenario, you know that you're only paying expenses and paying off debt, and you're not having any fun, right? The fun in the colloquial sense of spending tons of money, you know, doing things that you don't remember about three days later, but that requires a amount of discipline and commitment over a long period of time. So what's the best thing that's going to keep you committed to, you know, being very conservative in your spending, even talking about it with your family and friends who want to go out for lunch and dinner and all that kind of stuff. And you say, no, you know what, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be eating from home more often. I want to eat healthier. I want to not spend as much money on that kind of stuff. And, you know, whether you want to say that you want to pay off debt or not is up to you. But that requires a long time of withholding from those, you know, simple pleasures, which again, if you're in debt, I would argue being debt free is going to bring you much more joy than takeout food today. Yeah. So this is the behavioral one. It's if you're going to have to commit to this for many months in the future, what's the thing that's going to keep you going? I think there's, although it's counterintuitive because you'll ultimately be paying more money uh, by going with this approach, I think there's a lot of merit to it. I mean, it comes down to understanding human behavior in the end, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, the logical approach would be pay as little money as possible, and that's the avalanche method. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, and it makes sense to you, um, and you can stick with it, then then that's the way to go, I mean, in my mind. But we'll get into that in a minute. Right. But I think there is a good argument for the snowball method, although it's counterintuitive. And if you think about it on a practical level, let's say you've got three credit cards, Okay, and you've got three credit cards in your wallet, and you carry them with you all the time, and you're using all three depending on where you go, because, you know, certain grocery stores give you more points on one card, and gas stations, and absolutely, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um. And and you're paying all three of these every month. Um. You know, hopefully more than more than less, but you but you are paying them every month some amount. Um. And that's you know that's stress. Mm-hmm. That's stress every month. You got to like remember the due date. So yeah, this one's due on the tenth. This one's due on the fifteenth, and so on. You've got to like read the statements, and you know every time you open up that envelope, it's like a it's it's a unpleasant Sta- surprise. Right? Statement shock. Statement shock. There's a proper term for it. Yeah. And you got to open up three envelopes every month, and you've got to read the number, and you've got to go to your banking, you know, online banking or whatever it may be, and you've got to pay it three times, and it's just three times the headache basically. Mm -hmm. Right. But if one of those cards has a relatively small balance compared to the other two, then you pay that one off first, according to the snowball method. And now you've got two headaches instead of three. Mm -hmm. And that that one card that you paid off, you, you cut it up. Well, you should have already cut it up actually. Yep. I agree. (laughs) You should have cut it up by now already, but at least you don't have to worry about paying it off every month and opening the statement. You can just kind of forget about it. It's, it it doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Mm -hmm. And you've got two left to handle. Yeah. And and that's, you know, that's one way that you can ensure you don't get back into debt 
is that you've paid one off and you've made that commitment through cutting it up, through putting it in your sock drawer, through giving it to your mom, through whatever method you use to get that out of your hands, out of your wallet, please, that, all right, this one's paid off. I am never putting a dollar back on this thing. Like, this is it. Because the danger that happens is what I say a lot of people do is they say, okay, well, I have $600 to pay debt with. I have three credit cards. I'm going to put 200 on each. Mm-hmm. They just divide it by three. And that, you know, there's no signal to your brain that's like I accomplished something. There's no, you know, I'm here. I, you know, I got my you know, one credit card from 1200 down to a thousand. I'm never going to let it go past a thousand again. Nobody does that. Nobody makes those hard line commitments that, you know, we draw a line in the sand and this is where I'm not going to cross. Once you pay off a debt, you can draw very easily in your mind a line in the sand. I've paid this off. I will not put more money back on there. I think we should just make very clear, say, that when we talk about the avalanche method versus the snowball method, that's independent of making the minimum payments on all of your debts. Oh, yeah. You can't stop the minimum payments. Yeah. I just want to be clear about that, just in case there's confusion. You have to make the minimum payments on all of your debts first, and then once you're done that, then the avalanche or the snowball method will you know, point you in, in either direction. Either you pay off the highest interest-bearing debts first, or you pay off the ones that have the smallest principle first, depending on what makes sense for you. And on that note, Saeed, practically speaking, how do you suggest people approach picking a method? Oh, man. Okay. So, you know, reading about these two and really thinking about how it would be approached, I kind of figure it comes down to size and quantity of debts. If you've got a lot of little debts, like if you if you have a lot of debts, you know, more than three or more than five, you've got quite a few out there to different places, different banks, different people, I think you should really consider the snowball method. Because I don't know how you're going to track all these different debts and effectively pay them off long term if especially you're in a situation where your highest interest debt is also the biggest debt. And the snowball method, sorry, and the avalanche method would have you pay that off first which means that you're going to have seven debts for a long time until that biggest one gets paid off. That's going to be kind of tough to stick to. It's mathematically the correct one. You know, it ultimately comes down to your position, your, your own personality. But I would suggest really consider using the, the snowball method if you have a, quite a number of small of smaller, small-ish debts or there's yeah, a big disparity. The, the flip side argument to that would be if your largest debt is also also has the highest interest rate, that is the argument for the avalanche method. And that's the other side. I mean, if you, it, it's really easy because I can, I can make a pretty clear distinction. If you have a lot of small debts, do the snowball. If you have a few big high interest debts, do the avalanche. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to override both of those and say if you have any credit card debt at all, do that first. I don't care if it's you know the oh, smallest yeah, okay. principal yeah. or the highest interest or whatever. Do the credit card first always. Get those credit cards clear. Those are always going to be the highest interest. But well, let, let's let's break it down. There's there's a there's a waterfall here, right? Mm. You got credit cards generally have the highest rates of interest, and they're the highest uh, risk of you continuing to accrue more debt into. Mm-hmm. So for those both of those reasons, Ahmed, it's not just the high interest, which you're totally right. They're all, almost always the highest interest debt that anybody has. So really, you got to tackle that first. Get rid of that like double digit interest rate. So I would agree with you on that perspective, and I would add to that. That the other danger of a credit card is you just swipe it, you tap it, you know, yeah. you do si do, and you know, 
put left foot in and left foot out. Now you get $2,000 more debt because you needed, you know, you went to Home Depot. Which well, was, I think this whole discussion presumes that you've already cut up the card. That if there is a balance on that card that you're no longer using it because you've, I mean, put it in your sock drawer. I mean, I wasn't too hot on that idea, if you recall. Yeah. But you know, you've gotten rid of it. Like, you don't have it in your wallet. You're not carrying it around with you every day because that's that's poison in your wallet right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you completely. If you if you do that and you cut it up, then you eliminate this behavioral part of having that credit card exposed because it's there. I mean, it's alluring. It's easy to spend on. It's designed, as we've talked about, it's designed to be easy for you to spend so that stores get more money out of you and banks get interest from you. It's not in your best interest to use a credit card. It's in theirs. So as a rule of thumb, then credit cards first, because those generally carry the highest rates of interest. Yeah. Then lines of credit. Those tend to have the next highest rate of interest, yep. And then what's after that? Student debt, what else? Uh, student debt could be higher or lower than line of credit, depending on if the line of credit is secured. I mean, I think at the end of the day, everybody has to do their homework. And you know, when you do your debt inventory, as part of that inventory, you've got to collect your interest rate debts. Sorry, you've got to collect the interest rate on your debts. Generally, yeah, credit cards, unsecured line of credit, student loan, secured line of credit, mortgages, and then maybe personal loans. I don't know where they would fall in. Well, let me ask you a question. If you've got room on your line of credit to transfer a balance uh, from your <laughs> credit card, should you do that? <sighs> you always have to hit me with these questions that I'm not prepared for. Um, yeah, mathematically, yes. Yeah, if- I think it's kind of obvious, right? As long as you're not getting duped, and you might get duped, so you got to be careful because credit card companies make this offer all the time. Mm-hmm. That you know, for first three months, we'll give you a promotional APR of zero percent or whatever it may be. But then after three months or six months or nine months or whatever it is, they jack up the rates. That's you know, they're not doing that to be kind to you. Right? They're not just like it's not out of the the generosity of of their of their hearts. The bait and switch. It's the bait and switch. So don't get duped. But what I mean is that. If you already have a line of credit and you're carrying a balance and the rate on that is less than the rate you're paying on your credit card, then I think it would only make sense to max out the line of credit by paying off the credit card um, and then carry a lower rate that you can deal with. Okay, so here's my caveat. If you decide to do that and you consolidate your debt into a low interest thing and you can go talk to the bank and they can help you out with that and you know maybe they can get a line of credit secured to your house and all that kind of stuff. My huge caveat to that is if you choose to do that, then you must cut up your credit cards. This is not a sock drawer option or giving it to your mom option. Those credit cards are going through the shredder. I think that has to happen either way. Well, I know people who would say, yeah, okay, that's nice. You know, I've seen those TV shows um, where people are trying to pay off debt and, you know, Gail Vazox late on debt till debt do us part says cut up the credit cards. But then people are like, uh, I'll put it in my sock drawer. But now I would say, if you're going to consolidate, no, 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 no sock drawer, shredder. Here's why. When people do consolidation, and I've seen this time and time again, the credit card, let's say you have a credit limit of Mm 10,000, you're near maxing it out. Now, all of a sudden, that credit card balance goes to zero. And it feels like you have $10,000. It feels like you've got money in the bank. It does, Very because dangerous. if you're if you're used to having a $9,000 balance, and when you're used to that, that's your baseline. I have a $9,000 balance, that's my life, all right? That's how I exist. And then you go to having a zero balance, very, very frequently, people go right back up into that $9,000 balance again, because that was their baseline. They feel like 
they have nine grand to spend. And by God, is it so easy to spend, right? We've yeah. talked about this. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I so you got to cut emo- it up. The emotional uh, burden of line of credit debt is is less than than the burden of credit card debt. We feel it less because the rate is much less, and it's true. It's it's not uh, it's not nearly as um, as uh, most lines of credit are not nearly as high as credit card uh, interest rates. Yeah. But I think that when you have it on a line of credit, it just it doesn't feel as bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of that's probably because credit card debt is you know, generally known to be uh, a destructive thing that escalates very quickly. Right. The line of credit debt is, you know, fairly socially acceptable. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, and I don't mean within the Muslim community because that's, you know, you know, we have a different approach on interest bearing debt. But generally speaking, everybody else has a line of credit. It's no yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, but even even those who are not Muslim would frown upon interest bearing credit card debt because they know that it can quickly and very rapidly escalate out of control. Absolutely. So even if you do that and you consolidate, I mean, you still have to do the same homework, redo your debt inventory. How much debt do you have? Who do you owe it to? Um, how much interest are you paying? And what's the minimum payment? Those four things still need to be collected. So if you had eight and now you have one because it's all in a line of credit, I still want you to create an inventory. I still want you to create a, a, a debt reduction schedule, even though you only have one. And if you only have one, you don't need to worry about snowball and avalanche. You just got one. So your minimum payment should come out automatically every month, set up as an automatic bill payment, and you need to have every paycheck and a, a number of how much comes out of your checking account every day that you get paid and line it up with the day that you get paid and how much that goes against your debt without you thinking about it automatically from your bank to that bill, no thought required. You need to have that set up today if, inshallah, you want to get out of debt to get rid of that decision, that whole decision-making process and make this automatic. Yeah, inshallah. So I think that's that's pretty much a wrap. In the next episode, we're going to get into a few things that I think people don't really talk about or think about when it comes to paying off debt. We kind of mm-hmm. we kind of say, you know, once it's paid off, it's paid off, and then I'm done. It's all roses. But we're going to talk about, first of all, how to stay motivated during the process of getting out of debt because make no mistake, man, this is going to be a grind. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a grind. It's not it's not easy. It's easy to talk about. It's easy to listen to us talk about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, come month three, four five, when you've, you know, you've kind of really pared down your budget and you're being frugal and you're tackling the avalanche or the snowball or what have you, it's going to get really, really difficult. So we're going to talk about give you some practical tips on how to stay motivated and how to see you through the tough times, but mm-hmm. also how to get back on the wagon after you fall off. Because mm-hmm. people fall off. People, you know, they, they get thrown off their game. The plan goes wrong. They slip up. They make mistakes. That happens. It's probably going to happen to you. And the worst thing you can do in those situations is just kind of give up and, and throw your plan out the window. Right. So we're going to give you some tips on how to stay motivated and how to get back on the wagon if and when you slip up. Right. Inshallah. One Inshallah. thing I want to close with is if you haven't already checked out the Debt-Free Muslims podcast, you have to go do that. Go to DebtFreeMuslims.com. It's an entire podcast, an entire show about the topic of getting out of debt and staying out of debt Mm -hmm. and the debt-free lifestyle for Muslims. And it's it's a really great show. It is. I think it's particularly valuable because they tell a lot of stories about real people who have gotten out of debt and who are out of debt. Right. 
um, you know, individuals like regular people, regular Muslims, uh, they talk about their their experiences and their journeys to getting out of debt, but also some, you know, fairly prominent Muslim personalities um, mm-hmm. talk about the, the, you know, kind of the destructive nature of debt and, and why you should pay it off urgently and so on. So there's a lot of really inspiring anecdotes and stories there on that podcast. So I do encourage everyone to go and check it out. That's DebtFreeMuslims.com. Can we go get that on uh, iTunes as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're on iTunes. Yeah. Speaking of iTunes. Speaking of iTunes, go to Debt Free Muslims on iTunes, leave them a rating and review. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. <laughs> go on yes. iTunes. Um, if, if, if you're not already listening to this on iTunes, you can go and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you are listening on iTunes then probably the best way for you to get notified of new episodes is by getting on our email list because mm-hmm. we send out an email every single week with the latest episodes, including uh, the core episode plus a Q&A from the weekend. Um, and I, I would encourage people, to, I'm on the email list, even though I create these shows, because the, the writing that Ahmed comes up with oh my God. in those emails, I mean, it's very easy in the 20 minutes that we've been talking, almost half an hour now, to lose track of what it is that we're saying and what was I supposed to learn, what were we talking about, what was the teaching that was happening. If you have those emails in your inbox, you can go back and say, okay, this is what they were talking about. Oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. Oh, wait, I missed this part. Uh, let me go back and listen to that section. If you're not on the email list, you're, you're missing out, man. You're missing out on some great writing from Ahmed. I feel like I had one good email, and then you made that comment, and ever since then it's been downhill, but you still keep bigging up the emails. But I think the point about, about keeping track is very true, because what we're finding, Saeed, and the comments that we're getting is yeah. people aren't always like up to date with the podcast. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. listening every week. Rather, I think they're binging. Binging, yeah. Right. So somebody will will not listen for a month, and then they'll get interested in the topic, and they'll binge for like a couple of days. Uh, and in those instances, yeah, it's it's really useful to have the emails in in your inbox somewhere, so you can just search risk wise, and then you'll get all of them pop up, and then you can go and check out the ones that you're particularly interested in. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Awesome. So thank you so much for listening, and tune in next time. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah.